welcome to episode 51 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, pale Robbie on the boards. It's October 2nd. Time to hate on Resident Evil 6. Rob hates everything. Yeah. It's, hates not, everything. it's not the second. Yeah, it is. No, it's the third. It's the third. Oh, oh. Well, you're off to a great start, Rob. Your your fact-finding prowess is just killer here. Okay, but the podcast isn't going to come out for like two weeks, and then we're going to get another review on iTunes saying, like, I love your podcast, but I want it all the time. Well, that's okay. That means we should record more. It's good to be loved. Hey, I I, I think that we should try and do uh, two in a row because we have more stuff to talk about whenever we can get Dave around. Mm, I'm okay with that. All right. So that yeah. right that man right there was the editor in chief of the universe. I am John McCarroll and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jongo Fett. Really? That I was new. I didn't know you had a Twitter. Yeah, John posts great stuff on Twitter. Oh, okay. And uh that right there is the resident lover of the world, the guy who tried to defend Resident Evil Six when I tried to play with him. Lover of the world? What? I'm, I'm well, you know, digression aside, I did try to defend it, but you were like attacking everything, even things that maybe didn't need to be attacked. I'm sorry that I found a kindred spirit in Jim Sterling, and we both just have the exact same opinion of that game. All right. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, this is an RPG podcast. There's a skill point system in the game. You level up, <sighs> you play a role. Uh, you play a role, uh, a giant, muscly dumbass. Okay. Forget it. it. So <sighs> clever. I had a friend named Evan in high school that he he tried to use that argument with like Tomb Raider, saying it was a role playing game, but I wasn't articulate enough to just like destroy his argument. I was like, yup, d- d-. well, when that happens, a bitch slap usually works. Oh, I know. Uh, so uh, the guy who was trying to get in there a little bit, and uh, he's afraid he's going to be very quiet on the podcast, so we should all give him positive encouragement. Positive vibes. No, I'm Derek. Uh, I'm Embryon on the boards, and I'm a reviewer, dude. All right. All right. Okay, so what do we got to uh, talk about right now? Um, uh, oh yeah, that Borderlands game came out. So. Uh, oh wait, we need to t- tell them what we're not talking about today, so that they don't expect it. Yeah. That- oh yes, today we are not going to talk about Torchlight Two, okay. because we have our reviewer, the illustrious Dave, who will join us for a discussion of that particular game. AKA, we're not talking about Hipster Diablo. AKA, I'm just his little sit-in for today. But we will talk about it, um, but we just wanted to make sure that we got, like, enough playtime with it. It's kind of, uh, who would have thought, you know, September, uh, September, October, we're already in the busy part of the year when it comes to video games. So, funny enough, we didn't have a whole lot of time to play Torchlight 2, so we will talk about it. Um, But right now, let's talk about another loot game. Uh, So, uh, Herp de Derp de Derp de Derp, uh, Borderlands 2 came out. Yeah, that was John's uh, rocket launcher, wasn't it? Stop playing Borderlands 2. I'm not. Dude. Yes, you are. We can all see you. Ever it popped up on the bar of my Steam. <laughs> hey, let's just play Borderlands 2. Uh, well, I mean, I just thought it would be, you know, apropos of the discussion. So, so. it's more Borderlands. Yeah, that's yep. I, it sure is. It, it is, in fact, more Borderlands. Um, I my thoughts on Borderlands 1, very well known. I, I, I thought it was OK. Didn't really like it that much. Uh, Borderlands 2, I think, is is a slightly better product. I mean, they're they're doing some better things here and there. I uh, I think the gun selection is much 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 better than the original Borderlands, but it's it's uh yeah it's it's more Borderlands. So yeah, I I feel like it's it's a much more refined product. There's significant improvements to small things. 
but there are no leaps. It's not like, oh, wow, we added this one super cool thing. Now look what you can do. The only like, oh, my God, this is great, is they added a mini-map. I think that's a fair assessment. I think also, too, what you get here is that the first Borderlands, like you guys remember when they were developing it, like it was like a totally different game, like completely different art style. Like, you know, I guess the sense of humor wasn't really there. And, you know, then they switched it up, like, you know, near the end. And so I think you you get the benefit of them have having having had one consistent vision for it since they started. Oh, is that why we now have an antagonist? Yeah, for, <laughs> among, among other things. No, no, no. And a plot. The plot, the, the plot in the original Borderlands was, uh, there's a thing, go get it. Uh, well, the thing wasn't anything. What? The end. But I, I'm still trying to get a thing, right? I mean, that seems to be the basic plot of Borderlands. Yeah, you're getting right? a thing for a person, though. Uh, oh. Oh, you spend most no. of the game. You spend most Actually, of the game trying to kill person. the person. What well, I, it's, a, it's a thing for a purpose. I what guess. I found... It's in, the magic MacGuffin. What I found interesting about Borderlands 2, and uh, it, it was something that I felt at the beginning of Borderlands 1, but then it kind of went away. But the if you guys remember the opening cinematic for Borderlands 1, it was you know this level of humor, and it, it, it was kind of like trying to be referential and funny. But then the more I played Borderlands, the more like, those were just like little bits and pieces. This game is kind of like Family Guy, the video game in a lot of ways with just like the references and the dry sense of humor. I mean, there, at one point, there's a quest where like you have to go hunt down the Ninja Turtles. And I was like, all right, that's that's kind of cool. And and there's right. a lot of really witty sarcasm with Claptrap just standing around going like, hey, man, I'm totally not getting my butt kicked over here. Yeah, these bandits totally aren't shooting me. They're, I'm definitely they're... not dying. There's actually a quest with Claptrap where you have to throw him a birthday party and the mission objectives are to go invite people and everybody you invite says no very meanly. And then you go to the party and f- the objective for the mission is for two minutes, you just have to stand there and watch him dance and eat pizza. And it's awkward and kind of hilarious. <laughs> like Claptrap actually does have some, some really unique non missions. Pretty much anytime you have to go talk to Claptrap for a mission, you know that you're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's like we're we're gonna that there are some legitimately funny moments in the game you know i have i, I just we we uh talked about this a little bit i have a rocket launcher that rocket launcher's name is deep and there there's there's funny stuff but the issue that i run into is that yeah, the first game had lots of funny stuff like that. It seems to be wearing on me more. Like, it was initially funny for, like, the first five hours, and I was just kind of like, okay, I need yeah. more. Like, and I think that if I were going into Borderlands 2 without having played the original Borderlands, I would love it so much more. But it really, to me, it just feels like, okay, it's more Borderlands. And if you're a huge fan of Borderlands, you are going to love this game, and you already own it. Um, let's that be honest be here. Yeah. Well, I think the humor angle is is really difficult. Um, most of the comedies that I love, like films that that I really enjoy, are older comedies with shorter running times. So, like uh, the original Ghostbusters, I think is only like a hundred some minutes. But then you have movies like the Forty Year Old Virgin, which are like bordering on two two and a half hours. And it's really hard to maintain that level of comedy for that amount of time. It's like if you ever try to watch one of the Jackass movies, you're kind of all laughed out and used to the jokes by about the midpoint. And I think with Borderlands 2, I'm feeling with John's feeling like, yeah, you're doing a lot of ref- referential humor and you're you're making a lot of nods and there's a lot of sarcasm. But it's kind of like watching a marathon of Family Guy. After a while, I just start getting really numb to it. I think See, John was saying before that it's like a really – 
it, it's got a really contemporary sense of humor that may or may not really be that funny in a few yeah, years. Yeah, like, I feel like there are, like, the first dubstep joke was great, but, like, the <laughs> third one I heard, I was like, okay, I understand that people are making fun of dubstep right now. I feel like five years from now, people are going to be like, what the hell is this? They're not making fun of dubstep in the game, though. Like, tons of the soundtrack is dubstep. They really do have more dubstep in it. <laughs> but, so a lot of the dialogue is making fun of dubstep. Okay. Well, so yeah, then, you walk by Claptrap, and he's like, hey, check out my new dubstep song. And then you'll walk around town for five minutes, and you'll hear him going. They definitely made the world a little bit more interesting. I felt like Borderlands 1 was was kind of like this generic you know, space Western thing that maybe you see in, in something like Trigun, but it didn't, it it didn't have a purpose. And I think with this game, there, there's definitely a lot of, uh, it, there's more personality, which I really like. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't disagree there. I mean, I, the game's design as a whole is better. I, I think it's interesting that, that this is not the first time that kind of Diablo with guns has been tried. Um, you know, you think back to, um, I remember the three E3s in a row that I saw Hellgate London. I was like, oh, my God, this game is going to be amazing. Look, it's Diablo with guns. And then it came out. That's how we all felt. And then it came out, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what I was waiting for. That was heartbreaking because that game should have been amazing. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Wait a minute. You don't like loot hacks. Yeah, that's true. You don't like loot hacks, right. John. But I don't know. There was something about Hellgate London that just made me go, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Uh, I that's... definitely I definitely like the world of Borderlands uh, 2 more, but I'm still finding it. Well, let me back up a sec, because uh, when, when the game first came out and, you know, downloaded on Steam, which, by the way, Steam's been doing a really good job of making sure that their games release at midnight. I really appreciate that they've gotten that under control right now instead of like the, you know, three in a more three in the morning release. And so it came out and I had it already preloaded and I started playing it. And Stephen was like messaging me. He's like, dude, what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, it's more Borderlands and I don't like it. And the reason I wasn't having fun was because it was the exact same problem I had with Borderlands one. I tried to play Borderlands one primarily single player because I. I know you all may be shocked to hear this, but uh, I don't have a lot of friends. So, and we, we just used to play with Rob. So, wow. so I wanted to play it by myself, but Borderlands One is not a very fun game. Are you all right, Steve? Hey, hey, Zach, can we, we when you when you go through this, Zach, will you edit in some like sad violin noise? <laughs> so, uh, I didn't really like playing Borderlands One, but then. Borderlands 2, I was running into the same problem, and then Steven was kind enough to let me play with him and another person, and I, I really started to enjoy it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is where the fun is. It's kind of like playing old-school Gauntlet in the arcade. It's way more fun co-op. I feel like it's balanced more for co-op because, like, the enemies just, you know, come out of the same three damn doors in every bandit village over and over again. You just got to shoot them in the face. So the yeah, game— a lot more than three. Oh, come on. At least 10 doors. Okay, but it, the game lends itself to this organized chaos of multiplayer shooting. When you try to play a single player, it's just obnoxious, and the health management system is terrible, and you're constantly yep. running out of ammo. It's See, just, and I, I, I have to disagree, because once you get a little bit further in the game, like, I don't die. I really don't. If I lose my shields... I explode. If I die, I explode. And then you get back up. 
Yeah, and if anybody is anywhere close to me, congratulations, I'm alive again. If not, I bust out my rocket launcher that does 6,000 damage with a single shot and fire it at someone. Well, like, John, you were telling me that I was trying to play the game wrong because we're both playing as Zero, the sniper class, and I'm actually trying to play a sniper, and you're just running around shooting things in the face with a shotgun. Yes, that's right. Zero, despite, despite being a sniper, I have him built where he is very melee conscious and he does good damage with shotguns. You stealth and you shoot a badass in the face with the shotgun and he is dead i'm actually on rob's side for once i know it's crazy right but (laughs) i uh i've only played like a i don't know six seven hours of borderlands one and then um i rented borderlands two and played that for a few hours and i got to a point where i was just like hitting a wall because i didn't have anybody to play with offline i i couldn't get any friends to come over and i only had it for a few days um but I, well, I, I just don't think it. I don't think it lends itself really well to being a single player game. But that's not really the point, you know. One and, thing I find that interesting is I actually agree with you. Like between levels like seven and seventeen, the game slogs if you're playing by yourself. Because I've played the majority of my time by myself. I've played with others as well. But once you hit like level twenty, things start speeding up. I believe you. I just wish I could have gotten to that point. And uh, I think we were saying before that it's the kind of game that not only is it better if you play with friends, but if you have a static group, it is so much better. Oh, you need a static group. That's the thing, because this is the the worst kind of leveling structure that I I talked about in one of my editorials where in the original and it's better in Borderlands, too. But in, in the original Borderlands, if you tried to take on a mission that was two to three levels higher than your current level, you literally could not accomplish it. You would shoot dudes in the face and do no damage. Now they've mitigated that a little bit with Borderlands 2, and that's that's the right way to handle it. But like when Steven and I started playing, I was a little bit ahead because he he made a new character to join me. And so I was maybe like level seven or eight. And Steven and his buddy kept dying over and over again because we were in my level areas fighting my level type enemies and they really couldn't do a whole lot. Now they could do damage but they couldn't take damage. So this is the type of game where if Steven's not online or John's not online, I don't play Borderlands 2 because I'm like, if I get ahead of you guys, then we're not going to have fun. And I don't like playing this game single player. So this is a, this is a game, if you got a group, this is the perfect dorm game. Remember how we talked about Dungeon Siege 3 and how that was a really good game if you could do couch co-op? Borderlands 2 is a blast if you got a couple of guys in the dorm and or, or like roommates and you want to sit down and just play this game together and only play it together. So playing split see, now, screen sucks. It see, does. Kimberly and I played some of the split screen. It was awful. See, now I'll agree with it being a dorm game, but I don't agree with the level difference thing because I, uh, you, if you notice when we were playing, the game scales you very quickly. My friend started at level one and you were level eight. And by the time we finished, you were nine and he was eight. That's true. And That's true. So the game catch, scales you to the highest level player very quickly. And... I mean, maybe I just don't mind going, you know, out of context, that was going to sound bad. Maybe I just don't mind getting killed a lot. But, you know, (laughs) the thing is, you know, you could take someone down and you're right back up. And that just stems from the fact that I don't have, you know, an issue with the health system like you do. I think it works perfectly. You go down, you kill somebody, you you get back up. So to to be fair, there is in, in multiplayer, because you have people who can revive you, that is a feature that you're missing in single player. There's no Absolutely. one that follows you around. There's no bots. There's nothing like that. Though there is stuff in uh, in multiplayer that bothers me, most specifically the loot system, because 
Guess what? Loot's oh, not instanced. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, after playing Diablo three and uh, Guild Wars two, where there's instanced loot, and also this goes to the level scaling thing. After playing Guild Wars two, which does a phenomenal job of scaling you to your level, so I can go back and play with you guys in lower level areas and still earn solid experience. These are two things that really push the loot and MMO forward. And now, granted, Borderlands 2 is coming out shortly after those games, so they don't have the luxury of this being like indoctrinated into our way of thought for how the game should play. But these two games are, are missing those critical, like the instance loot thing to me is is beyond stupid. Like, how see, can you not have instance loot? See, I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just you know I liked it in Diablo, but I just it you know it's not an issue. I guess maybe it's not an issue for me because I don't ever play with random people online. But I mean, I never do. So, I mean, I'm with friends, so we're playing together. If something drops that one of us is going to use, we just, you know, hey, man, you should take this. It looks good. It's good for you. Must be nice to have friends, Steven. <laughs> but, I, I, but wouldn't it be – if you had instanced loot, that just means more loot. Well, yeah, but there's already a crap load of loot. Yeah, but more. I mean, that, people, yeah. people, on the, people on the internet are complaining that there's too much loot. <laughs> My, that, this is that that one thing. Enough – like, so much of the loot is totally useless. Like, it is – yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, John, but it, like there's a lot more downtime in the Borderlands franchise than I would like. Like if, if you compare to playing um, Diablo and like you're very quickly, you know, smashing over a pot and like picking up the gold or getting the loot really quickly. There's a lot of opening up toilets and lockers and just a lot of downtime in this game for not oh, a whole lot. It's not downtime. You just run by and press E. I don't know. I, I find that the, the targeting system for loot and containers and that sort of thing is a little bit awkward. I mean, I know that I've spent time trying to pick up uh, what's the, uh, the purple stuff. Uh, I don't know. Epics? I have no idea. No, 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 no. It's like... Uh, oh, the, like the mineral stuff? Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, Iridium. Iridium. Yeah, I've spent enough time trying to pick up Iridium that's like, okay, I need to have it perfectly aimed. And to be fair, you guys are playing it on PC and I'm playing it on 360, but... That was something I did notice in the first one when I played it on console, was that it was kind of a pain to pick stuff up. Yep, I had the same problem. I played it on PS3. I had Borderlands 1 for PC and I played 2 on PS3 and I had a pain. It was, it was a pain to pick stuff up. Even like picking up and refilling your ammo was kind of annoying. Because I know you can hold the button down to get a whole bunch at once, but it still is like... If I wasn't aimed properly, sometimes I wouldn't pick it up. Well, and it picks up. It's really weird because it picks up like ranges. And sometimes it'd be like it won't pick up everything that's in the container. Right. Well, it it, it, it does kind of depend. Like if, if you're picking up guns, it won't pick everything well, up all at once. Because if you hold if you hold the button to pick stuff up guns, it swaps your gun. But if which you have like ammo, it won't pick up like. It won't pick up ammo that you're already full on. No, 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 I know. And that's actually one thing that's frustrating is that that regular uh, regular loot and ammo have the same color. So, like, I'll go and I'll accidentally hold the button down to pick up all the, the ammo. And whoops, I just swapped for a crappy gun. That's happened now to me I, a few times. Now I have to spend some time in menus, which that's something yeah. that I... I could Is see. there really a better way to implement that, though? I mean, other than... I guess they could make, just... Make ammo a different color... color. Yeah, I think I think making make, ammo a different color would be. Sorry, go ahead, Derek. That's okay. I was just gonna say make. Uh, I was gonna say make um, containers that only have ammo, but of course those exist everywhere, so I don't know. I, I think too. I mean, for me personally, 
I don't really care for the hold down eat switch guns feature because if I'm ever going to swap something that I have equipped, I'm going to actually like pull it out, look at it in a menu and compare it. It's not going to be like, oh, that on the ground there is unequivocally better than something I'm holding. I just want to get it and dump the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever run into that, you know, myself saying that. So for me, I prefer just an option to turn off the quick swap because there have been times where once or twice, you know, in all of my hours playing one and two, I have lost a gun that I wanted. Because, you know, my, my inventory is full. I'd swap. He'd throw the other one on the ground. And there I go throwing down a 4,000 damage shotgun that I could have given to somebody. I lost one down a cliff. I accidentally quick swapped like after getting an item out of a chest. And I was right next to a cliff. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> It was a it was a comical moment. I was like, oh, okay, um, yeah, that's kind of funny, but um, not entirely helpful. My gun is gone. My gun is gone. Yeah, Click. my gun, my gun is gone too. I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I definitely like it, and I, I I think I see the appeal more in Borderlands Two after having played with you, Stephen, like in an actual multiplayer game, and I think that's what this game does very very well, and. That's cool. I, There's room I think, for games like that. I think really what we need to do is what I do with, you know, my, my friends that I play this with normally is we need to make characters that we only play when we're playing. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely help. Because, like, if I tried to jump into your game now, I'm guessing you have, like, level 30 guys right now. Uh, I'm a level 23 merciful nurse, and I'm a level 24 <laughs> murderous commando or something. <laughs> the, it's funny, because my friends, they're all playing, like, the, the other characters. <clears throat> So we have like a, a hidden assassin, we have a heavy gunner, we have like a, like a, a, a god smasher, and then I'm either an angelic or a merciful nurse. I am looking forward to playing as the Mecromancer when that comes out. Um, oh, that class sounds so cool. Yeah, I, I, I want – I think that's my – the other thing that I really wanted them to do with uh, Borderlands 2, and I think they, they improved on the first game a little bit. If you guys remember, I could not stand the skill trees in Borderlands 1. It was just minute damage increases or healing bonuses. It was watching statistics go up. And what I wanted was I wanted more like develop skill system that fundamentally changed my character. I think they're doing that to an extent, but not perfect. Like you get certain things that will fundamentally change the way that your uh, that your assassin cloaks and how much damage he does from that or, or you know, different permutations of what he can do, like the Diablo 3 rune system. That's great, but there's not quite enough of it. And I, I know that's, you know, me crying about a fix, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more development in that area. See, I, 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 I only argue with you with that because I don't think you've made it far enough to really see that, but they really haven't expanded that. I mean, <clears throat> like with my class, I think this was the example I brought up before, was that my class, I have phase lock. I can stun an enemy. That means, oh, I got to go revive my friend. I'll, you know, I'll phase lock him and then I'll run and revive him. But then I get it so my phase lock pulls enemies in and stuns them. Okay, I got that. And then, you you, you know, I, I'm playing as a medic, so I have it set now. I can revive a friend with the phase lock. So I could be running around shooting a guy, run up to revive somebody, turn off to the left and revive somebody instantly from far away, you know, which is invaluable in like crazy fights. So, I mean, my brother's siren, on the other hand, he's gone totally in like the damage and crazy stuff happening around it. And it's like, he's a completely different character. Like, I mean, he's, it's just utterly different. Like I have all the healing moves. So a lot of what I end up doing in fights is like, you know, 
I, you know, I shoot people occasionally, but I also stand around my team and I, you know, I pay attention and I heal them and that sort of thing. So I, 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 I only hesitate. I, I only take issue with your claim on that just because, uh, you know, it really doesn't show up until later when you have enough points to get the skills that come up later on. Do you think that plays into John's point that the game is a little bit of a slog in certain places? Like I've hit like level 10, 11, and I'm doing a lot of the same thing over and over again. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I could be done with this game right now. I think, uh, well, I mean, for me, again, because I've been playing with the same group, I, I don't really experience that. But there are times where, you know, we've had one or two nights where we're playing where it's like, oh, you know, we've done so many side quests. All these other ones are below our level. You know, all we can do is the main mission that, you know, is a little too easy at this point where it's not a slog and we're having fun still, but it's not nearly as exciting as it could be. So certainly there are moments where it's not like, you know, the moment to moment is thrilling, but. Yeah, I think that's mitigated by your group. I, I don't mean to be down on this game. I think the, just uh, the nature of my job and it, I, I look for more single player experiences. And I, I think Borderlands 2 is not as fun to play single player as some other loot hacks. Like I, I enjoyed Diablo 3 very much single player. I, I played that entire game single player, uh, very little multiplayer, actually. And I really enjoyed the rhythm of that game. I think Borderlands 2 is very much a multiplayer game, and they've advertised it as such. I mean, they're they're not lying when they talk about this being a multiplayer shooter. I mean, even the commercial has the four characters just gunning people down. Yeah. That's cool, but it's it's not really speaking to me in that great a way. But I, again, I would say if you're looking for a good game to play with your buddies, I mean, the, this is up there. That's same. That's fair. I, th- I think I'd agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. And... Uh, yeah, so uh, when do we think we're going to see Borderlands 3? Probably not for a Tomorrow. while. Tomorrow. After they Two make, years. Uh, Standard uh, development cycle. Yeah, after they make Aliens Colonial Marines, because, you know, we all asked for that. And all yeah. their Borderlands DLC. Which, uh, which I got to say, I, I went back and I listened to the podcast and me, me complaining about the season pass. And I think uh, I can nail... I, I go back to what I said during that is that I don't really like the idea of a season pass because I don't know what kind of content they're going to offer. But at the same time, it's something that you have the ability to buy later. If they come out with two or three expansion packs they're really interested in, if they still offer you the ability to do it, then that's great. But like they, they just announced the uh, season pass for Assassin's Creed 3, and it's like – the yeah, but it's like the reign of King Washington. It's like a, an alternate history of oh, yeah. Washington became king. Which, first off, that's really going to rile up Fox News a little bit. That's going to be fun to watch those you know, press releases and watch Jeff Keighley try to talk to the same guys that were talking about the sex scenes in Mass Effect. I think at one point they said that there was like full-on graphic sex in Mass Effect. I'm like, really? you, you like- Yeah, I remember there were crazy headlines about that. Yeah, There's like headlines. Like, it's a lesbian blue alien sex simulator. I, I I can't even say some of the headlines that they were saying. Like, I feel like we're being more family friendly right now than Fox News was being. And uh, well, anything I that melts your brain isn't family friendly. Well, true. But uh, but like that DLC really has me intrigued. But I still hesitate to buy a season pass because what happens if the next two pieces of DLC are not nearly as interesting? I, I think uh, that actually was my point I was going to make about Borderlands. You, when you buy those passes, I think they're great because – Yes, you have the option of buying it. So someone like me, where I was happy with all the DLC from Borderlands 1, you're basically buying into, do I trust this these developers to make content I'm going to want? And I do because, you know, I enjoyed all of the previous content. So for me, it's a way to save 10 bucks. But for everybody else, they can say, okay, you know, 
I'm not necessarily sure I'm on board with all this DLC just because it's Borderlands. I know I'll like it because it's Borderlands, so I'll pick it up. But you get somebody else, they say, oh, I'm only interested in two of these. They buy two of them, they spend 20 bucks. Yeah, and I think they'll support the game well. Uh, I, I really liked their turnaround schedule for Borderlands 1. I think compared to, like, not to rag on Bethesda, but I, I don't think Bethesda's doing a particularly good why job. Why not? I mean, why not rag on <laughs> Okay, but uh, I don't think they're doing it. Well played, good. Derek. The, the community is supporting Skyrim, and there's something to be said for that. Releasing the mod to, tools and letting people tool around with Skyrim has been a lot of fun. Yes, but, it's called the year 2000 for PC games. But the <laughs> just a big uh, mod released for Morrowind that really updates the game graphically, which it is I just awesome. I just installed. It is, is should I pick it that cool, game dude? up for ten bucks now? Yeah, you can probably get it for less though. It goes on Steam sale. Haven't well, you played Steam enough sale, Skyrim? It's on Steam sale right now, and I, I everybody says Morrowind is the one to play, but I'm just I'm so Mar- snake bit by that series that I just don't want to play it anymore. Morrowind is the only game in that series that has a personality. But is the gameplay good? <laughs> it's yeah, a- it, it's it's in the same way that every old RPG is. It's the first one that's like really you can I not the first you one. You can break it really easily. Yeah. And that's fun. Okay. Okay. Didn't you like make a a potion that let you fly like Superman, John? My my dad did. My dad spent like literally thousands of hours playing Morrowind. Morrowind was his reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, now World of Warcraft is his reality. But ah, okay. I was a pretty big fan of making potions that gave me like ten thousand acrobatics, so I could jump around with a spear and name my guy Kane. Oh, I remember you telling us that. All it was right. fantastic. All right. So Borderlands 2, uh, definitely a good game. I'm I'm interested to talk more when there's more DLC. And Stephen, I want to play with you some more. I just. You know, yes, yeah. that sounded as weird as it did. Yes, to me. it really did. Um, but I, I just don't want to play that game. But if if I see that Steven's playing it, then I want to join him. But if if it's my if it's time for me to decide what game I'm going to play and I'm by myself and nobody else is online, I'm not going to pl- pick up Borderlands 2. I found it way too frustrating and way too boring. But the chaos that can ensue from like four people shooting each other and all the enemies that can be a lot of fun. Oh, would you stop, Joker? God. I have enough of my students doing that all the time, although now they're imitating the Bane voice so much, I cannot stand it. But brother, his voice is truly his... Oh, I didn't have anything to say. Was it this podcast uh, or the last one where I talked about how I really want somebody to do an animated gif of the uh, the professor from Dark Knight Rises when he goes in to like make the nuclear device, and I just want to see a bar fill above his head. <laughs> it's just nuclear bomb activated. Because <laughs> apparently you can make a nuclear bomb in about 30 seconds flat in the middle of Heinz Field. That's a little awkward. Yeah, no problem. Okay, what else do we have to talk about? I'm done talking about Borderlands. Let, let's so. do Raw, and then we'll do... Uh, Resident Evil 6? No. Oh. Nope. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, Realms of Ancient Wars, which I have only recently learned is the correct title. I kept calling it Realms of Ancient War. We're professional um, around here. That's right. So, uh... Damn. Okay. I'm going to start off with saying some good things. Uh, <laughs> it, this, it, just it, give it, us, it. just give us the raw truth. Oh, <laughs> that's fresh. I don't get. Okay, it. so uh, it's got some action RPG story that is blah 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 blah. Um, it has really great art design, and the areas are really atmospheric. Um, 
in all honesty, playing the first level, I actually liked the game a lot more than I did the more I played it because the first level literally made me feel like I was playing the Haunted Mansion, uh, the Disney ride, which is the best ride of all time. But so, you know, it's got great art design and it, it seems to me like there was a lot of, you know, like, you know, whoever was making this game definitely, you know, was into it. It's more polished than, for example, the worst action RPG ever made, Dungeons and Dragons Daggerdale, which was just busted. But that's kind of where it ends. Like, it doesn't have anything to it that's sort of unique. Um, the core combat is just really clunky. I, I Obviously, uh, I've mostly been playing uh, the wizard character. And all of his attacks are tied to mana. So if you run out of mana, you can't attack. And the cooldown time on them, I mean, as you level up, you know, you can mitigate this somewhat. But it just feels really clunky because... I don't have like a, oh, I don't have any magic left. I'm just going to punch somebody in the face. So if I run out of MP, I literally just have to stand there until I, you know, get MP back. So uh, I haven't really touched the other class as much. Um, So I don't know if it's the same for them, but at least in this case, it just seems like a huge sort of derp-a-derp. But yeah, other than that, it's... It runs reasonably well. It's not like mega glitchy, but it's it's an action RPG with loot. So on um, the on the scale of Daggerdale on the bad column, and then that other game on the good column, where does it lo- <laughs> that other game on the good column? Where where does it end <laughs> up in terms of action RPG, Stephen? Well, the the fact that it's not utterly broken. Uh, puts it very far above Daggerdale. Okay, like, okay. It, it seems like there were human beings involved with this game that put effort into it. <laughs> you could use my tried-and-true description of uh, games, my hard-hitting journalism, when asked for my opinion, and I don't know what to say. It's a game. Yes, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game. That's a good way to put it. It's it's not horrible. It's just it's so generic, and it there are just some baffling design decisions. I mean, I honestly think I might be playing the game wrong. Because for my wizard character to not be able to hit things, I already die really fast. It's just uh, that sort of thing. Um, but beyond that, I mean, literally, you know, it's it's functional. You know, you have, you know, but quick buttons to use potions. You get skill points. You get loot. It's just there's nothing in it that makes me go, wow, that's kind of unique. or Oh, that's kind of cool. It's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance a generation later. I feel See- like... Go ahead, John. Oh, no, no, no. Like I don't know. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance was was good. It had good things going for it. it okay, yeah. Like, bad example. Like maybe it sounds like Fallout uh, Brotherhood of Steel. Ooh. There you go. That's a better. That's that's a better example. It's not quite as bad as that was. Like like that, that's that's what I, I basically I'm trying to say is if you like if you are the kind of guy who or you know or girl who's just like holy crap I love to kill stuff and get loot. I don't care what game it is, even though Torchlight 2, Borderlands 2, and Diablo 3 are all out right now, then go for it. But it it just kind of makes remarkable in any way. Yeah, it just, I play it and I feel nothing. I feel nothing. I feel nothing. It is, I feel nothing, brother. Oh, God. Finish your dinner, I'll give you permission to pie. (laughs) You haven't heard that? Come on. No, I hadn't. Then again, I didn't hear the whole Fusro Da meme until like eight months later. I was like, really? So somebody wrote in Bizarro World. I know. Somebody wrote regarding the chant, you know, the rise chant that, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, somebody just quoted it and wrote fish, fish, pasta, pasta. And 
I can't unhear it. Did I already say that? Because whenever you hear that chant now, you're going to go, fish, fish, pasta, pasta. Oh, it's not as bad as the uh, Resident Evil 6 image that I can't unsee anymore. The thumb? The thumbs up? <laughs> no. Or the giraffe? Um, yeah, the giraffe. What? <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, okay. This is that a bad giraffe show. Is getting some incredible this is, service. This is, but, this is but inappropriate seen, for this podcast. Hang on. Have you seen the gif of uh, when Conan O'Brien played Resident Evil 6 on his show and he did the little like thumbs up? Yeah, I did see that. That's so funny. That's such a broken animation. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Okay, moving on. This RPG podcast has a lot of Resident Evil discussion. I know. <laughs> uh, are, are you done with Raw? I took the bait. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I'm not done with the game, but I'm done talking about it. <laughs> Boom. All right. So who wants to talk about a JRPG? What? What's a JRPG? Oh, oh me. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, what? It's I like an RPG those. from Japan, though it's it's not strictly an RPG. It's more like a action RPG. But uh, I've had a chance to be playing around with Ragnarok Odyssey, developed oh. by Game Arts. Would you say that you've been pouring a lot of time into it? What? Buzzing, pouring, like. Oh, the... oh, oh! Yes. Uh, I get, I get it now. I get it now. I, I, I don't get it. Explain it to me. The slimes are called pourings. Okay. I don't get it. Yeah, no, he's right. The slimes in the games are just called pourings. P-O-R-I-N-G. And, and I Good said, one, oh, Derek. Those poor things. Go die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, the land of the rising sun. So if you've played games like Fantasy Star Portable and, uh, you know, Monster Hunter is probably the big one, you kind of know what the deal is. You're going through dungeons and you're killing guys and you're picking up stuff and you're taking it back to town. And you're like, oh, what awesome stuff can I make out of this stuff that I got off monsters? And that's it. That's like the focus of these games. And they're incredibly popular in Japan, especially for ad hoc play. Um, one of the reasons why the PSP is still hugely popular in Japan is because of Monster Hunter 3. Um, it's also one of the reasons I think that the uh, the Circle Pad Pro, the the right analog stick for the the 3DS, is popular in Japan because of Monster Hunter. So it's very very in vogue right now for Japanese developers to make Monster Hunter style games, and this is Game Arts one. It's coming out later this month from Exceed. And uh, I actually snagged the uh, Hong Kong version of the game, which has the English text. Um, and from you, sorry, you just can't access the uh, DLC, right? Yeah, you can't you can't do the DLC because the DLC is is linked to the Hong Kong store. And unfortunately, the Vita doesn't allow you to swap um, accounts. Yeah. So. I can't do it like my PS3 where it's like, oh, there's an awesome demo on the Japanese store. Let's go get it, which is unfortunate. But I still am able to play the full game. It's uh, according to Exceed, it's like 90 percent of their script. So there's still stuff that's going to be better in the U.S. version. Plus, it's obscenely expensive. So um, you probably don't want to import it. You can wait two or three weeks. Yeah, but, we're like, uh, yeah, two weeks out at this point. Yeah, so. I've had it for I've had it for a couple of months now, so it's not like. Two weeks, but I want it now. No, you don't. You okay. want Dishonored and XCOM. That's true. Pay I more do, money. I do want Give both more of money. Oh, I thought so, you said and more money. I was like, yeah, I want more money, too. Yeah, more money. More money. So, more money, more problems. Essentially, as opposed to going into to minute detail and saying, oh, this is how it's like Monster Hunter. This is how it's like Monster Hunter. This is how it's not like Monster Hunter. 
I'm just going to touch on like the main things that are different is combat. Combat is really, really, really fast and furious, as opposed to Monster Hunter, which is very slow paced and tactical. It's like you want to kill those guys. Let's go kill those guys. And you slash and slash and slash. Um, combat is also aerial focused. You can combo enemies up into the air and smack them around and you can dash in the air. And all of this is is, you know, capped by an energy meter. You can only do so much wacky air stuff, but it's very fun. But it also gets a little bit tedious, which pretty much if you've played even a loot style, an American style loot game like Diablo or or Borderlands, or if you've played Monster Hunter or Fantasy Star, you kind of know what you're getting into. It's not like you're playing this because it's like it has this amazing story. No, the story is, OK, there's some guys you need to go kill them. You need to what, slash those guys. Yes. And get their okay. stuff. Well, the game is is more lighthearted, like Monster Hunter is very, very serious and it makes fun of itself, which is actually very nice to see, especially considering that, you know, you get a monster, you get a guy who's like, oh, there are a bunch of uh, birds out there. I need a quill. Why don't you go and uh, get me some feathers? And it's it's very clearly the game knows that you're going and you're killing random monsters for random stuff. And it kind of pokes fun at itself. Well, that's good. At least it's, you know, it has a good sense of humor. Yeah. And and everything is very customizable. I mean, there's there's different class types, different weapons, all that kind of stuff. And you actually swap classes at will. If you decide and the you want... uh, the equipment that you put on is actually seen in real time. Yes. Right. Though, um, the the way it works is pretty much the only equipment that you're putting on is your weapon. Um the way that it works is there's different sets of clothing that change how you look. Now, there are ones that change your class, and then there are ones that are purely um, uh, aesthetic. But you can equip cards onto those, and you get cards by killing monsters. And these cards do different things, like power-up and that sort of thing. So, Are there any trap cards? <laughs> you just I, laid, trap I card. laid a trap card. Actually, Borderlands 2 has a reference to that. Yes, and it actually is getting kind of annoying at this point because Zero says it like every fourth time he stealths. <laughs> but Zero also speaks in haikus, which is really which is awesome. Awesome. But uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, so you can equip those, and actually they're unique to each set. So you can equip all these cards on this one suit because this is the the gear that you wear when you're you know, playing as a warrior. And this is a gear when you're playing as a thief, which is nice because you can have, you know, your, your setup all ready to go when you just want to play. And then the weapons are weapons. I mean, yes, they look different and the weapons are actually unique. You can level them up if you get the right kind of stuff. The one thing that I really, really, really don't like about the game is it's not clear what is really like needed in regards to loot. Like you'll find yourself low on cash and you're like, well, what should I sell? Oh, it doesn't do a good job of explaining to you like what is trash. Yeah. And I, I really don't know what is trash. So I go in and I sell, if I have like 50 plus of an item, I'll sell like 20 of it. But you know, it's, it's not clear what can be used for what there are icons that are different for each, but the game never explains really what they are. I remember that problem in, in Xenoblade, and I, I shudder to speak poorly of that game because I feel like Derek will reach through the internet and throttle me. But uh, 
but like you say I, that. But like I had that problem too, where I would sometimes sell items that were like quest items, and I was like, oh, no. okay. I didn't do that. Xenoblade is the only game like that that actually goes out of its way to make sure that you don't sell quest items. Uh, unless they you give you the future quest. visions of stuff. Um, unless you no, don't. they give you future visions before you have the quest. Not all. They're of them. like, but then I gotta remember what that little doodad is called. Okay, well, have a notepad. I don't know. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's frustrating because, you know, if you go and you look and you're like, okay, well, I need this particular item to upgrade my weapon. Well, you can only look at that when you're at the shop to upgrade your weapon and you have to go into the menu. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, I don't like that. I I think I think a lot of uh, devs underestimate little touches like that, like being able to see like pick up an item and have it sorted into some part of your inventory that says, you know, like craftables weapon or craftable armor or whatever, you know? Like uh, what's interesting is going back to uh, Pandaria, which I think we'll probably talk about when we do Torchlight. We'll do Torchlight and Pandaria. Um, you know, a lot of the things from from other games, like Guild Wars's sell junk button, which I went and I found a mod to give me the sell junk button, but like stuff like that should be built in now. And it's frustrating when it's not. And I feel like there there are ways to make these loot hunt interfaces better, and they don't. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't done that with WoW. I mean, didn't WoW get a major UI overhaul, and they, they haven't done that yet? Yes, there's been a major overhaul. I mean, there's there's not major. Like, the game is still pretty similar in regards to the overall UI. Most of the changes are under the hood. It's like, okay, talents are different, and this stuff is different, and this uh... stuff is different. Okay. Um, which we won't get into that today. Um, I mean, pretty much, you're not waiting on me to tell you if you should go get Pandaria, and I know that. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't. I think we've said everything that we're probably going to say about Guild Wars too. Uh, I, I'm hoping to get my last review journal up here in the next week or so, and I, I think Guild Wars Two is one of the friendliest games, with the exception of the fact it doesn't tell you how to do anything and you got to pour over wikis a little bit. But it is once once you figure out how to play the game, there isn't a lot of like. Uh, I was going to use a bad word there. There isn't a lot of messing around in menus and uh, and getting confused with like what you can and can't sell. I think they do a really good job of making that game as friendly as possible to the user, except for the whole you know teaching you how to play it. But that you know you can't win them all. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean, did you guys have any questions about Ragnarok Odyssey? Yeah. So does it use the the exact same script as the Exceed one? Do you know? Yes, so actually I went and I talked to Exceed because I didn't want to, uh, actually before I, I bought it, because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy this and and work on it for preview stuff and have it be completely off base. So it uses, uh, they say it's about 90% of their script. So there's been like changes to improve things. The script actually, I, I haven't run into any errors. It reads pretty clean and it's got lots of funny stuff. So that's there's that's, so that's pretty I, trademark of XC. They're they're really good with their translations. Yeah. So even in like this this ninety percent phase where not everything is is totally smoothed over, it still reads very well. That's good. What's the tone of the script like? Is it pretty funny? Yeah. It's it's very lighthearted. Um. It's it's not serious like Monster Hunter. It's very referential of the genre and. You know, it's you're not going into a game like this because you're like, oh, man, I wish this game has a great story because it's a loot. Well, hunt. I mean, you look at the box and you see somebody wearing a slime hat. So I think you should know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it sounds it's, like a nice change to, to, you know, a good alternative to Monster Hunter, especially since here in the U.S. we don't have um, the I, we do have Monster Hunter Ultimate coming out. But 
it's that that's really good to have in the meantime and the vita is experiencing a serious dearth of games so yeah well i it looks like i i'm excited because i love my vita i think it's a great handheld it looks like the the holiday season is actually going to have lots of great games for it yeah we have uh just this week we have new little king story which i am playing for review you get a silent hill loot hack Okay, yeah, I, I downloaded the demo for that. I'm interested to play it. I mean, it, it oh, may sucks. very well be an RPG. Uh, yeah, I remember I... Uh, actually, I had a question about Ragnarok Odyssey also. But well, too bad. Hill. You don't get to ask it. Go. Well, I remember when I... I liked it at E3, and I remember they said the focus was on, like, these jump combos. Like, when I first played it, it was like, oh, you jump, you hit the guy three times, and you fall down. Is there any sort of expansion of, like, like you know, does you your can, combo get longer, or can you, like, juggle them, or is it always just knock them in the air, hit them it, a few times, and then it, do it it's again? It's knock them in the air, but you can dash around in the air. Like, it's more useful for movement than it is for combat. You do a little bit more damage if you knock an enemy into the air, and you're not being attacked. So it's okay. great to, like, isolate an enemy, but it's it's not a main focus of the game. It's not like, oh, man, it's not Ion. It's not, you're going to spend all this time in the air because you have wings and you're awesome. So would it be pretty far off base to say that it's it's kind of a mix of, like, Monster Hunter and Fantasy Star Online? Yeah, not at all. Okay, yeah. Then I want it. it looks good. And when, when does that come out, like, officially in the U.S.? Um, it, Actually, I don't believe that Xseed has set a solid date on it. They've just been saying October. Um, most retailers are saying October 16th. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it slip maybe a week, but it's definitely coming out in October. And is it all digital or is it, is there also no, a box copy? There's a no. retail, there's a regular and a collector's edition too. Yes. Sweet. The, the mercenary edition is the collector's edition. Uh, yeah. I need to get a Vita. What does I, it have? Like art cards and a soundtrack or something? I think so. I still don't have a reason to buy a Vita. I, I'm I'm really hoping that they start getting some support. I really like the device. I actually got to tool around with one at a GameStop. I really like it. I it, just there's nothing for me to play on it. it it's great hardware, though. Um, actually, let's go into news. Lots of there's, stuff is now what, compatible with the Vita. What? What? Yeah, um, there's lots of good stuff coming. I was gonna say between like Persona 4 Golden and Virtue's Last Reward, but that's gonna be on 3DS also. And I really hope we get East Celseta because that looks so good. But go on. Go on. So, I'm sure I'm sure XE will release that here. Yes, lots and lots of stuff is now compatible with Vita. Um, a crap load of PS1 games, including Chrono Cross, which I was waiting for, are, are now compatible with the Vita. Um, as well, demos have been released for uh, Virtue's Last Reward, which is the 999 sequel, and uh, Silent Hill, which may or may not be an RPG because I'm downloading the demo right now. Please let me know how that is. I'm. I'm it sucks. Trapped. I just told you. Really? Yeah, I played it. I played it at E3. It's super duper gauntlet generic. Uh, okay, some people were really up on. Okay, it. That's I walked it into a room and there was a nurse with a crowbar and she did one damage to me over and over. She well, couldn't made, kill me. That oh, in the demo or at E3? Well, they in the demo. I don't know. They could change it, but oh. I, it I don't know. It seems super generic. Like well, I don't they think, I don't they think, have oh. Silent Hill like monsters and areas kind of, but the the way the game plays is nothing like Silent Hill. I, I don't want to turn this into a Silent Hill podcast, but I, I am a huge Silent Hill fan. Um, but I have no illusions about the series. I think the first three were the only ones worth a damn. Uh, I just started playing Downpour, which is a an absolutely awful game in many ways, but it definitely nails the atmosphere and the, the focus on exploring the town that hasn't been a focus of the series since Silent Hill 2. And I really wish that Vatra got another chance to make a Silent Hill game because I feel like it's one of those like they have a cool concept. They just they didn't 
have the time to make the game that they should have made, and I really want them to try again. But that's neither here nor there. Um, can we talk about when a game is delayed? Speaking of news, can we talk about when a game is like scheduled to come out like a week later and then it's suddenly delayed two months? Yeah, that's I. You know, as much as I like the guys behind Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition, like you know, at that point that your game's not coming out. You know about a month before that your game's not coming out. <laughs> what was that? I almost bought that game the day that they pushed it back. I was like, cool, this is coming out next week. I'm excited. Like, that really is kind of a dick move. Um, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition was delayed till November, I think. Um, like, three days before it was supposed to come out. Yeah, what the... Did they suddenly, like, okay, guys, now let's bring everything together and see how it plays. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, from what from what I remember in our, our interview, they, they had said they were having some trouble interface-wise. So I think that might be why it was delayed is to well, make sure they, it's They were having playable. trouble with the interface on the iPad version, I thought, because the the iPad version wasn't slated right then. It was the, the Windows version that was slated out to come out on a specific day. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited because I've never played that game before. I really want to play it. Why would they do that to me, John? I, I don't know, but I'm still excited for it. I just do think that, you know, not being honest is kind of a dick move. Just saying. Dog. Yeah. I'll go with that. Oh, now you're street throwing a yes. dog in there. Yes. Now I am street. Word. <laughs> All right. More news. Um, actually, news from today, the third. Um, Bethesda has opened a new studio called Battlecry Studios, and it's headed up by Rich Vogel, who has worked on lots of stuff like Ultima Online and Star Wars Dealer Republic and Star Wars Galaxies and even Meridian 59, which is known as for popularizing the uh, the MMO. So that's really cool. We don't know what they're working on yet. Um, their jobs page shows that they want people that have experience in first-person shooters and RPGs. Fallout 4! No, I don't think that they're going to outsource Fallout 4. What I think may happen, though, oh. is there were rumors back in July that Bethesda had picked up the Stalker license. Oh, that. Oh, be... I remember that. Yeah, that could be cool. <laughs> Stalker was already really glitchy. <laughs> Stephen. Um... Do we think? Uh, I don't know if we've asked this before. Uh, what do we think? Fallout Four or Elder Scrolls Six first? Fallout, I hope Fallout Four. That it, I mean, history has shown that they do the engine in the you know the new engine, and then they do a Fallout game. Yeah, I don't know. I I I know they won't do it because you know it's just not how the engine's built. But I would really like to see an isometric Fallout again. I just I liked Fallout Three in New Vegas well enough. I just you know Wasteland. Two is coming out. Oh, that's, that's true. True. Good point. I mean, like I think Fallout and Fallout New Vegas or Fallout Three and New Vegas are good. I just I would like to see them a less glitchy and b you know like Fallout Fallout One and Two like you really had those conversation options to like talk through stuff. Fallout Three kind of just has an expanded Morrowind system or Oblivion system, which is like you know it's it's sort of inconsequential. I I mean, we're not going to cover it, but uh, with the XCOM game coming out uh, as a turn-based uh, strategy game, I'm kind of hoping that maybe that does well, and we might have a possibility of seeing a turn-based Fallout game. I think we might see it as something smaller, like a downloadable project, but I don't think we're going to see a $60 title that isn't in that Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout 3 model. Unless it's kickstarted. 
do it. And I don't see Bethesda doing that. Bethesda's kind of stepping up and becoming like a big style publisher. Like, yeah, definitely. You saw that with Skyrim with like how streamlined it was, you know, like not that it was dumbed down, but it was definitely, you know, they're getting further and further away from there. Tons of little numbers and dials and knobs, PC origins. So, yeah, I mean, Bethesda's got another new studio, so that gives them a bunch. Yay. Who's on? Uh, Rainbow Moon coming to Vina. Pretty good game. I think that 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 is like perfectly suited for the Vita too. Like that's the kind of game that I would rather play on. Like, you know, just because there's no plot. Oh, okay, there's a plot, sorry. There's no plot that matters. And it's just grindy, grindy, grindy. I could see that being really, really great on Vita. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the kind of game that you you know, you may want to play for shorter bursts just because it's so grindy, like here and there on the bus or whatever, you can get in a, a, a what am I looking for? A round, a match, a, a game, uh, go through, <clears throat> go through a map where you can, uh, you know, get some experience and then maybe get closer to that next job level so that when you get home, you can uh, actually, do, is it going to have crossplay? Cause that would be cool if it did. That would be very cool. Save data back and forth. I, I really like that idea. I think it's kind of clumsily implemented right now in, in the games that support it. Um, the best I've seen so far was sound shapes because you have to, in the menu, there's just a thing where it says like sync cloud save. Um, even though that was yeah. kind of broken for a while, but, the, uh, but I hope I mean, games do that. Transferring in, uh, in Metal Gear is kind of like that. Is it okay? I mean, it, at least it works at all. I think that it'd be easier. <laughs> I think it'll get better as tech improves, which is always yeah. the case, but yeah. I'm just glad yeah. Konami's making up words like transferring and revengeance. <laughs> I, I just blame uh, what's-his-face. Kojima? Yeah. Talk Fuji? No. Extreme. Anyway, more news. So, speaking of more game companies that exist, uh, we now have Gung Ho Online Entertainment America, and its president mm-hmm. is June Iwasaki, who is president of Exceed. Um, and these guys are publishing Dokuro and uh, Picoto Knights for the Vita, um, as well as they're doing a whole bunch of mobile titles. Um, Picoto Knights is an, a social action RPG, which allows you to... It has a system called the Ghost System, where you can pull avatars of friends who aren't playing and use them in your game. Um, it seems like they're they're just doing digital games, so it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that works with the Vita. But I hear lots of people on my feed who are in Japan like Picoto Knights. So it'll be interesting to see when that comes out uh, next year. And Dokuro, which is a puzzle platformer, not an RPG at all, but that's going to be out this month. The game looks pretty cool. For what it's worth. Yeah. Um, more news. Final Fantasy III is out for PSP. And guess who bought it? Because he's a complete sucker. That would be Derek. Rob. That would be oh, Derek. shut up. Did they redo... Is, is this the same Final Fantasy III okay. that they released on DS? Yeah, but yes. they actually... They, they did the one thing that I wanted them to do with any new release of that game, which is give an auto battle feature that speeds up the game. Oh, that because, needs to be standard. You're right. Yeah, well, because... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad function to have in general. Um, but the, the one reason why I could not slog through more than, like, eight hours of Final Fantasy III is just because the battles are so slow. So now you can like you can do an auto battle and it'll double the speed of the battle and you can also have it remember. So if you want your character, you know, one person to cure every turn, one person to attack every turn, that'd be the kind of thing that you could just sort of 
have to pay attention to and grind for a while if you need to. But yeah, they did that. They added a uh, widescreen support, of course, and they added a new uh, chiptune soundtrack that you can toggle off and on. So that's kind of cool. It's 20 bucks, which I think is still a little bit much for a game that we've already played several times. But well, Square Enix. It's too bad. It's too but, bad they didn't add a feature that made it a game called Bravely Default because that would be a really oh, good. Oh God, that would be so much better. Yeah, I want Bravely Default so bad. More Square, news. Square Enix does a really good job of overpricing all of their games right now. So and it's twenty bucks. That's not bad, even if it is a court. It's um, okay. It's less than Final Fantasy Dimensions, and this game is way better. <laughs> more news. Always, hmm. More news. I said more news. Uh, What's news? Legend of Heroes: Trails in the Sky is coming out for PlayStation 3 in Japan, which it will be very interesting to see if that carries over to the U.S. It's one of the HD versions where pretty much they just upscale the PSP game to the PS3. Here, I'll buy it twice. <laughs> this is my game of the year last year. Bah. I love. Bah. But uh, yeah, so no no news out of XSeed if we're going to get it in the U.S. But I hope that we get it on Steam too. Yes, I'd take either one. Uh, Ace Attorney 5 is a thing. Did we talk about that last time? I don't know, but I don't object to that. <laughs> it's a thing, and it's coming out in English. Yay! Did they say anything about the Miles Edgeworth games? Because I really liked the first one of those. I don't think that we're going to see Gyakuten Kenji 2. Uh, I don't think so. There was a statement that, that uh, some PR guy, I think, issued that said good sales of uh, Ace Attorney 5 could not hurt the possibility of a localization for Edgeworth 2, but... He wasn't confirming anything, so Boy, Cap Capcom are just my favorite people these days. It, it, what, especially, what was, it, it's an original DS game, so I really doubt that we're going to see it. Yeah, What's I mean, the difference between the Phoenix Wright games and the Miles Edgeworth games? Because I, I I missed the boat on all of them. So, oh wait, I want to do this because I've actually played these games recently, and I get to talk about Japanese stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the uh, Ace Attorney games are very much like the. Wow, I just I I just realized I was going to describe both games the exact same way. John, help me out. All right. There's more of an adventure element with the Miles Edward. Scumbag yes. Rob wants exactly. to talk, doesn't know what to say. <laughs> you, you you control Miles on like you're at the crime scene and you control Miles as he walks around and like yes, you can, yes. Whereas Phoenix Wright and the Ace Attorney games play like visual novels with adventure elements. Um, Miles Edgeworth plays like an adventure game, like like straight up adventure. Wow, I should probably get on that. It, it's cool, but the the thing I ran into with Miles Edgeworth, and I, I think we talked about this in one of our very early shows, was that there's some real jumps in logic in at toward the well, end that, of the. That, that's like, all of the. That's all of the Phoenix Wright games. At though. least in this game, though, you have like a a logic or like health bar, so you can make a lot more mistakes than Miles Edgeworth. Like you, you don't have that problem that you have with uh, Ace Attorney, where, oh yeah. Um, yeah, you messed up. What is it? Three times, and you're done. And oh, it was more than point. that. You haven't had a save point for like an hour and a half. Oh, then Rob, do you know what you do if you don't have a save point? You press start and you save. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rob's like the game should remind me to save. Well, no, I'm just used to the game saving automatically whenever I pick up a new katana or piece of armor or whenever I kill an NPC. All right. Uh, Rob, you are spoiled by the generation. So sorry, you can you can play uh, Phoenix Wright when you're offline though. More news. So <laughs> that was well played. <laughs> uh, Mass Effect trilogy. EA is releasing uh, a pack of all three Mass Effect games for PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC. It's going to be sixty bucks. 
Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have any of the paid DLC for any of the games. Is this going to be the special edition with more Tauntauns and no? Wait, it doesn't include. It doesn't even include like Bring Down the Sky. Uh, the PC version that's the that's the one for Mass Effect One. Yes. Yeah, like the PC version, that's already free yeah, for the, the PC P- version. For the PC version, it is free. But if you had to pay for the DLC on the platform that it's coming out for, you do not get it in this package. Does the elusive man shoot first? Yes. Okay. You guys know that's what we're going to like. They're going to. Why do I have this feeling that they're going to retcon the living hell out of this series now to make that ending work? Well, you know what? I can't talk about Mass Effect anymore because. I'm just going to sound salty. Yeah, I think that, that we're probably – I just – we're done with Mass Effect. Next. Do you have that other Bioware game to announce that they announced and then said we're not going to talk Ooh. about? We're, we're going to do two pieces of Bioware news at the very end. Oh. Um, I have two more pieces of news between then and now. So that's seven pieces of news? I can't do math. I have four. We have four left, Rob. Okay. Um, the Dark Souls content for the PC, um, Artorius of the Abyss – Artorius? Is that it? Artorius? Yep. Yes. Artorius. Um, is coming to consoles on October 23rd. Um, that's all we're going to say <laughs> about that. I don't know what that noise Rob made. That, that was my little Game of Thrones. It was that, a Game of Thrones theme. And that content was good. So I think if you like Dark Souls, you will enjoy that content. Right. Yes. Uh, well, I, I now use the Game of Thrones theme as like my official da 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 Like my Final Fantasy okay. victory. That, that's fine. Whatever. More news. <laughs> Uh, NIS America has announced a couple of games. Uh, one being Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory. Oh, <laughs> where you go, where, where no you go more. back to the and fight video game enemies and all Jeez. that kind of stuff. Okay, I had to quit playing the game when I got to the line. Nepgear is so gonna be my waifu. <laughs> it says that in the game. <laughs> I know. I played it. And then it says something about, it, like, oh, my God, a Sundere that, princess. That, like, if you like stuff like that, Hyperdimension Neptunia is going to be out in spring of 2013. Um, NIS also Amer- announced uh, Generation of Chaos 6, uh, which is going to be renamed Generation of Chaos Pandora's Reflection. Um, I thought you said Panda's Reflection. I was because like, that's Panda. much less unwieldy. <laughs> I thought pandas were just invading every RPG now. It, if I recall correctly, this is the one that Idea Factory and Sting went in together on, yeah? Yeah. I th- Impressive. Isn't it? Wait, is it? I think so. Yeah, I, th- be I, be- I believe that this is this is the one that Super Sting worked well, on. This, this has potential to actually be a good and or playable <laughs> game. So, <laughs> I just remember I got whichever one was out when the PSP was like first. Yeah, like, that one's that's terrible. That's, and that's like, it didn't have four. Yeah, it didn't teach you how to play, and it was, like, labyrinthine, and I was just, what is happening in this game? Yeah, that was kind of like, I remember, because I was like, oh, man, I loved uh, Dragon Force. This is kind of like Dragon Force. I'm like, what's going on? I don't like, know. None of this makes any sense. Uh, so the other thing is actually one that you don't care about if you're in North America, but NIS America is going to be publishing uh, Persona 4 Golden in PAL territories. So if you're in uh, Europe or Australasia, you'll get, be getting Persona that's, 4 Golden. That's good. And if Everybody's you're in Australia, you're going to that spend, game. And you're on Australia, you're going to be paying like what three hundred thousand dollars for the damn game. Yeah, something, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Please leave for Andrew. I love how 
I, I always have to remind myself that, like, man, I don't want to pay $60 for a video game. Then, like, it uh, could be worse. I could be in Australia. Yeah. So um, if you're in Australia, if you want it now, you can just call your friends in America and be like, can you send this to me? Because <laughs> um, you'll probably save yourself, like, a million dollars. I need a Vita. <laughs> the only one who can afford it is Mitt Romney. <laughs> Um, okay, so our last two pieces of news are kind of tied together. Um, no one expects it! We're, we're going to do the game first. Um, <laughs> Bioware announces Dragon Quest 3, or Dragon Quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bioware's working on Dragon Quest now. I am so and smart. And then that horribly annoying music starts. It's a battle theme. Look, it's a slime. My head exploded as I imagined Hawk as an Akira Toriyama character right there. Does he look like Goku? Because they all do. Yeah, he, yes, he looked like Goku. Uh, you, can, you can customize how he looks, but the only caveat is that his face is always identical. <laughs> all right. Bioware announces Dragon Age 3 Inquisition, um, which we know absolutely nothing about, other than it's going to be called Dragon Age 3 Inquisition. They're not game this, game was such, this was such a bizarre announcement, because, like, apparently they've been circulating, like, a... Um, uh, uh, what do you call those things? I'm, I'm completely blanking. A survey. They sent out a survey to, like... Uh, Different people, like apparently people that are signed onto the Bioware website, and they're like, hey, do you like these designs for the next Dragon Age? Do you like this, you know, description of what the next Dragon Age is going to be? And so then they were forced. And I did. It was like someone held a gun to their head and they were forced to admit, yes, we're working on Dragon Age 3. Here's the title. It might be on the Frostbite engine and we're out. And they just no, dropped no, the it, mic it, like Chris Rock. It is on the Frostbite engine. Oh, that is it? Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I'm yeah. very interested to see what they do with that. I, I mean, the description sounds really cool, and it picks up exactly where Dragon Age 2 left off with, like, this whole, you know, uh, one, I, I am a little frustrated that it sounds like, once again, we're doing the whole mages versus Templars thing, which was, remember when that was a side story in the original Dragon Age, and now it's become, like, the center focus? Well, dude, they killed the freaking Darkspawn. Yeah, but, like, I think the Kunari thing was much more interesting in Dragon Age 2. Like, the Kunari chapter was actually well-developed. No, I mean, I like the Mages versus Templars thing. It's just at the end of it, it kind of, like, they were like, oh, we can't think of a good way to make your decisions matter, so they don't. Well, I'm reading the first Law trilogy right now, and so I'm definitely going to name my character Glokta, and I just have this, you know, impression of just being an Inquisitor and, like, sticking nails into people and, like, ripping off their nipple and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm interested to see where they go. Um, um, I don't think I, – I think I, – I said this before after Dragon Age 2. I think we're going to see a compromise. I don't think we're going to see it go completely one direction or the other. I think it's going to be more open than Dragon Age Origin uh, than Dragon Age 2, but it's not going to be as expansive as Dragon Age 1. I think Bioware is going to try to find a middle ground with this game. So speaking of the pain of having your nipple ripped off, um, um, they will not be taking – no, they will not be taking this game in the direction that the doctors see fit because they are no longer at Bioware. Kind of funny how five years to the day. Well, it wasn't to the day, but <laughs> it, it was about five years, and it was probably five years from when it was actually signed, not five years from when it was announced. I have two questions with this. One, 
are we nervous as gamers who uh, I would say we pay attention to stuff like this? Like we're the guys that pay attention to the fact that uh, Bungie isn't making Halo. And when I talk to the kids in the dorm and they're like, wait a minute, Bungie's not making Halo. They have no clue. So are we worried on this podcast right now about the doctors leaving? And the other question I have is, will gamers give an S? And I don't think uh, so. I'm not worried because the doctors haven't been involved in like day to day development in forever. Well, that's not true. Greg was overseeing uh, all the Star Wars TOR stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like he went down to Austin and he like was was deep in it. What was the deal with Casey Hudson? Though? I thought he was like the grand overlord of Mass Effect. Yeah, well, they, that is. And that's why I'm not particularly worried is that you have these guys who are are their things. Casey Hudson's thing was Mass Effect. Um, you've got uh, oh, what's his name? I have the new story up. Mac uh, Walters. Uh, no, Mark Dara has been uh, executive producing Dragon Age, and you've got guys who are here. You know what? The the all the corruption, quote unquote, from EA that we were going to see is already there. I don't think it's going to get worse. You know what? EA has done a lot better of a job since you know they bought Westwood and was like, oh, you guys are EALA now, and let's tear you up and all that kind of stuff. They've done a better job, and Bullfrog. Don't get me started on Bullfrog. Um, they've done a much better job in regards to autonomy. And actually, I believe that they... Um, I, I heard this as rumor. I don't know if it's truth that they're un, uh, unmarking all the other studios, that Bioware Edmonton is going to be the only Bioware. Huh. I, I'm not that worried. Um I, I think it's kind of a downer when two guys who were so influential in the games industry uh, decide to leave. We're, we're recording this podcast on the same day that Cliff Blazinski just a few hours ago announced that he was leaving Epic Games. So I miss his Unreal Tournament maps. <laughs> on the one hand, I, I like to see guys who who go off and, and do their own thing. You know, I, I can't wait to see what Mikami no, does now. I, I, Capcom. I, I think it is hilarious, though, what the doctors are going to go do. <laughs> yeah, freaking freaking Greg is just going to go off and do a live stream of him drinking beer. That is the greatest career of all time. He's like, yeah, I just want to drink beer and write about it. And then <laughs> just going to walk the earth. Like he's he's like, people are like, what do you want to do now that you're retired? Uh, I want to do what every man on earth has ever dreamt of doing. Drink he's beer, like, I'm going to drink a whole bunch of different types of beer and I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> I, I'm not worried about this. I, I think it's a bummer, but uh, you know, Bioware has kind of been running itself for a while. Uh, I think this. I guess we're not going to see a Jade Empire two, which that kind of sucks. But uh, you never know. Like yeah. even though the, these are not the only long-standing Bioware guys that that were there. You know, there are lots yeah. of people who worked on their old games that are still there, and will continue to be there. You know, and I, I also, you know, you, you know, I may be down on Mass Effect three because of where the story went, but the fact of the matter is, I haven't played a Bioware game recently that's been bad. Like Dragon like, Age two, I like Dragon Age two better than the first one. It was, you know, it was clunky in spots, but I enjoyed it. I finished it, and you know, I, I don't really worry that they're going to make, at the very least, an engaging game. Yeah, uh, and I don't think gamers are going to care. I, I really don't. I, I well, it's. When it comes down to it, you're right, because Bioware's sales, as much as as we think that we are and, and, you know, we are a little bit of a primary demographic, their games sell millions of copies now. Yeah, the people are buying RPGs like Mass Effect and Dragon Age that weren't buying them before. I mean, when Mass Effect 3 came out last year, 
most of the kids at the school were playing it. And I was really shocked by that because it was such a, you know, Call of Duty, Halo heavy, Grand Theft Auto area. And so, yeah, I I think they've done a lot of good for the industry, but I don't think gamers, I don't, I, I think that the hardcore stay in touch with this kind of stuff. Like who's making this, you know, did David Jaffe work on the original God of war, but he only worked on the story for God of war two. So he had no involvement in the next two games. I think we care about that, but most people really don't. They just want a game. Oh, I agree completely. You know, I worked at GameStop in college and it was very clear that the, the average person who is buying a video game doesn't care who made it. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to play a good game. The only the only time that yeah the only time that gets attention is with Call of Duty because of the two studios and the big lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. So is that it for news, John? Uh, that is it. Let me see if I can dredge up anything else. Um, Project Eternity is making a zillion dollars. Yes. Oh yeah, that's that the uh, that's the Obsidian thing. Yes. (sighs) Which well, I mean, there's like no work done on it whatsoever. So. Yeah, there's there's concept art and a lot of promises. If anybody from Obsidian is listening, I, I want you guys to do well. But you didn't donate to the Kickstarter. N- I, again, I, I'm very hesitant to donate to Kickstarter. I'm, I'm very I, – I, I hope you guys have realized this about me. I'm very cheap. I have no friends, and I don't like to give away money. <laughs> well, what's funny is it's probably going to be more expensive for you to buy the game. I mean I got in early on the Kickstarter, and I'm getting the game for 20 bucks. Yeah, I did too. Um, is, that was that was why I contributed. I was like, well, you know, they're gonna get this either way. I might as well get a cheap copy of it. Is it still going on or no? It's twenty five bucks. I bet a retail copy will be thirty to forty. But like, is the Kickstarter still going on? Yeah, for yeah. another I think week and a half. Okay, they've already made like they just hit I think two point five million. I, I love the concept art that they showed for the new Shadow Run. That oh, please let that be good. Wait, what? They showed. Uh, yeah, they making Shadow Run. If it, uh, Hairbrain Studios, is it? What? I. There was a Kickstarter, dude. Like, how did I miss that? Like, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the Shadowrun on the show, Nintendo? dude. Uh, hair, hair, yeah, we talked about it a while back. Hairbrain Schemes is working on Shadowrun Returns. Man, you gotta focus, Stephen. I'm starting to worry that uh, you know people might be influencing you in negative ways. <laughs> Just saying, it sounds like you're uh, you're not focused on your work anymore. Look. If, I get my, if you get my drift, stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough of embarrassing Stephen today. Um, so yeah, anything else to talk about or new? No, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, there is one more Kickstarter, but we're we, we've chosen not to talk about Kickstarters unless they're from major studios on the website. Um, I don't know if we're going to call this a major studio loot drop, which is John Ramiro's studio. Oh, uh, he still makes games. <laughs> He hasn't made a good one in a long time, but yes. He's still but what about games. Daikatana? Yeah, wasn't I supposed to be his – Um, God, what's that word we're not allowed to say? <laughs> I, he said that I was going to be, and uh, yeah, here I am waiting. What? It's the – never mind. God, would you go focus on things? So, we're all kind of <laughs> off the game with the jokes today, uh, mostly because Steven's playing Borderlands too. No, I'm not. I'm playing Raw, and I'm actually liking it a little bit more now. Playing the game of life. Why are like, you playing anything? Well, I, I don't understand the reference in Rob's joke. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're that, done. 
Is that enough awkwardness for today? We're, we're done. I got to cook dinner. Okay. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, as always, please subscribe to us on iTunes and through the RSS feed. We love to see reviews. We got our first four-star review, guys. Yeah, actually, and we still had, love you. We've had a four-star review for a while, Rob. Wait, we did? Yeah, it was one of our first ones. Oh, well, now I got two people I need to kill. Ah. Yeah, it was some comment like, oh, the, the podcast is great. Uh, the host is just really angry. I know. Well, he, you know, he's got a lot to be angry about. Uh, so yeah, uh, I would love to do another uh, listener feedback podcast. I really like it when you guys ask us questions, and I'm tired of checking the podcast email and seeing like ads for lighting units and um, Chinese. Dude, I, we need to go to Brain Conference. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm <laughs> I got that. One. This. Uh, so yeah, definitely send us email at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would love to answer some questions. Um, I, I'm not that hateful of. And, you know, I'm going to make a promise right now. Um, you're going to get an episode two weeks in a row because we're going to go talk about Pandaria and Torchlight um, probably this weekend. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Are you even allowed? You sound like you don't want to do it. Are you even allowed to play Pandaria, John? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you have no room. I'll, I'll explain later. <laughs> All right, thanks again, guys.